Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Pleasure to welcome back to the show Dr. Victoria Coates. She is the Vice President of the Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation and former Deputy National Security Advisor to President Trump. Hello, Dr. Victoria Coates. How are you? I am well, Rich. How are you? I am doing well. I'm a little bit um, amazed at uh, our justice system these days. But other than that, <laughs> uh, at least we don't kill people in this country, like I guess, like Putin. Right. So, I mean, there's that. Well, that's, that's a pretty low bar. And I think that, you know, th- that all Americans have to be concerned about the, this incredible campaign that has been waged against the former president literally from before he took office. You know, the revelations this week about Russiagate and the complicity of the intelligence community and that, that was, that was during the 2016 campaign that that started. So, you know, one can have one's views on Donald Trump, but this is ridiculous. Let's start there, actually, if we can, because you, you were a, a deputy national security advisor. The allegations that Matt Taibbi, Michael Schellenberger have put forward, which are really shocking, is that the, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that the United States Central Intelligence Agency essentially now really was the, the people behind Russia collusion and really used the dossier as kind of the, you know, the MacGuffin to move the story along. No, it, it certainly appears that way. And, you know, Schellenberger and Taibbi are pretty responsible journalists and they don't, they're, they're not radical conservatives. They don't have a particular ax to grind here ideologically. So, you know, I, I would tend to believe them until they're proven wrong. And if that's 
so, then you have John Brennan, who is the director of the Central Intelligence Agency under Barack Obama, basically as the source of all of this, who, you know, went to bat for, uh, you know, for, I guess, a Hillary Clinton and, you know, to be the successor to Barack Obama, and that they were going to use every tool at their disposal, including the intelligence agencies, to try to undermine Trump's candidacy. And they used the FISA court. They spied on uh, 26 campaign uh, operatives, apparently. And Obama knew about this all along. So, I mean, he's implicated in this as far as I'm concerned. Oh, absolutely. And his then vice president, who would have been Joe Biden, uh, who, you know, they, they, they are so unhinged about Trump that everything and anything is on the table for them. Everything is acceptable if it means you can somehow thwart Trump. And what I think is, is truly driving them around the bend is no matter what they deploy, you know, he seems to come back stronger than ever. In a way, they're feeding him, uh, but they, they can't see it. And they're just, you know, they're throwing everything from the New York courts to the CIA at him uh, because they're, they're so terrified of him. And, you know, I keep saying to people, you know, look at the record. You know, folks who are terrified, oh, my gosh, what's going to mean if Trump is reelected? <laughs> you already know. We've already had a Trump term. We know what happens when he's president. And, you know, you can't tell me that all of a sudden, you know, where he governed responsibly for four years and suddenly everything's going to come off the rails if, if he's reelected. And, and that justifies this illegal, immoral behavior on the part of of the left. Well, you know, it, it's I mean, everything you're saying is, is spot on. Uh, absolutely. When Putin this week came out and said that he'd rather see Joe Biden in the White House than Donald Trump, I was not surprised by that. I mean, obviously, as part of Schellenberger and Taibbi's reporting, Putin wanted Hillary Clinton in there. And I'm not surprised by that either, because for the four years that Trump was president, Vladimir Putin never invaded Ukraine. And when Barack Obama was president, he moved into Crimea. And when Joe Biden was president, he moved into Ukraine. And we're also giving him a massive gift right now. I mean, this stupid ban on liquid natural gas exports is a gigantic gift of Vladimir Putin. You've got the Russian state media over there going on and literally mocking us over this and saying that Europe now has to buy more of Russia's liquid natural gas. So, yeah, of course, Vladimir Putin would have would have would have wanted Hillary Clinton. And of course, he wants Joe Biden. Yeah, that's the kind of through the looking grass nature of this is you know, so many people are saying to me, I just I don't like the way that, you know, Trump talks about Putin. I, was like, I don't care how he talks about Putin. I care about how he acts. And I think the energy is the key to it. Because under President Trump, we had the American energy renaissance. We had massive increases in production. We had 14 new uh, export facilities uh, licensed and and built. And that's what allowed us to surge natural gas to uh, Europe in 2022 after the Russian invasion. So that's all bad for Putin because all he is is a gas station, essentially, in terms of his economy. And so if you've got tons of uh, American product on the market at reasonable prices that aren't going to endanger you uh, with sanctions, then people are going to buy that product. It's a good product and it's good for the world. And so, you know, to, to think that Putin would be anything but thrilled to have four more years of Joe Biden uh, is, is disingenuous at best. Now, the, the the question, of course, of, of this guy, uh, Novaney, who was uh, Putin's top critic and he died in jail and, you know, whether Putin was behind it or not, um, 
Biden today came out and said, we have to get more money to Ukraine. In fact, we have that clip, uh, Matt DeSantis, if we could play that for Dr. Victoria Coates. Biden using the this uh, this death of Putin's critic to say, we got to we got to cough up here more cash. Uh, cut to people across Russia and around the world are mourning Navalny today because he was so many things that Putin was not. He was brave. He was principled. He was dedicated to building a Russia where the rule of law existed and where it applied to everybody. Navalny believed in that Russia, that Russia. He knew it was a cause worth fighting for and obviously even dying for. This tragedy reminds us of the stakes of this moment. We have to provide the funding so Ukraine can keep defending itself against Putin's vicious onslaughts and war crimes. You know, there was a bipartisan Senate vote that passed overwhelmingly in the United States Senate to fund Ukraine. Now, as I've said before, and I mean this in a literal sense, history is watching. History is watching the House of Representatives. The failure to support Ukraine at this critical moment will never be forgotten. It's going to go down in the pages of history. It really is. It's consequential. And the clock is ticking. So we're basically now, thank you, Matt. So we're basically now helping Putin by making Europe more dependent on his liquid natural gas because we're not going to export it anymore. And now we're going to use the death of this political critic of his to to use as a justification to keep funding this war, which, you know, I I have to tell you, I mean, as I, I keep hearing this conversation about this. There's no end game. There, there seems to be absolutely no plan here. We're just literally just throwing money at the problem. Oh, yeah. And so the, the death of Alexei Nalbany is, is in disgrace. Uh, he was, nobody's perfect, and there were some issues with Alexei, but he was Putin's most vocal critic, and he was quite brave to go back to Russia after he was poisoned in, in 2020. And he knew he would be arrested and that this was the likely outcome. Uh, but he, he went back to make the point uh, that, you know, he was against Putin and he thought there was an alternative for the Russian people. But what's really interesting here, Rich, is, is when when he was imprisoned, uh, Biden came out and gave another one of his uh, trademark sort of pro-democracy speeches and said there would be dire consequences if Navalny was, was harmed. Well, he's been harmed. And I don't think much goes on in a Russian prison that isn't sanctioned by Vladimir Putin. So I think we could be pretty confident that just like Prigozhin, this was Putin flexing his muscle. And what's more, he's doing so directly at Biden. He's like, OK, you said there were going to be dire consequences if he was harmed. I harmed him. I think I could do so with impunity. And the president's answer is to pass an emergency supplemental for Ukraine. I'm sorry, that's not serious. You know, the the issue with the Ukrainian funding is that it's going for all sorts of other things besides military uh, support. And on top of that, two years into the war, they're defining this as an emergency. We have to do this right this minute and we can't budget for it through normal process, which means we pay for it. So what's most important to President Biden is to maintain that blank check that he's been using from the beginning of his presidency, not just to fund Ukraine, but all of his other massive programs and just saddle our kids with more debt. So, you know, that's just outrageous, his whole thing about, you know, history is watching the House of Representatives. This is is a blip at best. What they're going to be watching is President Biden's response to Putin after he threw down the gauntlet and Putin took it up. And we have the clip of that, actually, of of Biden saying that, right, Matt? I think we have the the clip of that, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Hang on one second. Okay. Okay. 
let, let me it's okay don't worry about it let me move on to this point um when we're when we're thinking about the larger issue here nikki haley made a point she said vladimir putin's never attacked a nato country and at the same time she's criticizing trump for saying that nato members have to pay and then she turns around and says that if we don't defeat putin in ukraine he's going to roll into nato and conquer europe but doesn't that don't those two things contradict each other if 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 he's never attacked a nato country and trump's argument is hey nato pay up the united states should not have to pay, you know pay for your your fair share here your your, your ride uh and and we're going to be a strong nato to to stop vladimir putin doesn't that kind of counter the argument that once he gets through Ukraine, he's going to go and attack NATO? She just said he's never attacked a NATO country before. Yeah, those, those comments were pretty baffling. And I would just say as a matter of policy, if you listen to what President Trump actually said about NATO last weekend, he wasn't talk, saying, I'm inviting you know, Putin to invade Europe now. He was talking about a conversation that took place at least four years ago. And the fact of the matter is that after that conversation took place in which he told a NATO member uh, that if they did not get to 2%, he didn't think that that he was obligated to defend them. Uh, That is perfectly accurate. If you read the NATO charter, Article 3 of NATO is that all members shall adequately fund the common defense. And once you get through Article 3, you get to Article 5, which is that attack on one member will be considered attack on all members. But you got to get through three before you get to five. So I think the assertion that NATO members who do not meet their pledges made 10 years ago uh, in Wales to meet a 2% GDP expenditure on defense, if they, if they can't do that, then they have to realize they are not guaranteed Article 5 protections. That's just a fact. Mm-hmm. Now, Dr. Victoria Coates, and I'm so I'm so glad you're here. And by the way, we will get back to the breaking news about Trump and um, uh, the, the the decision in New York. Obviously, that's going to be most of the show today. But the, the question about these alleged Russian nuclear space weapons, and you know what I find in, interesting about this is, is the, the timing of all this comes out as we're talking about renewing Section 702 of the FISA Act. You've got people that want to reform this so that we can't have the same abuses that have happened by our government against American citizens with warrantless spying on them under the guise of, well, you know, we're just going and and doing these queries on Americans. You're supposed to get a warrant for that under the Constitution. But as Mike Lee's pointed out, as a number of other people pointed out, isn't it interesting now, as we're about to take on this debate, we're hearing about all of these 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 new possible attacks on America. And as we're debating this this funding of Ukraine, this emergency supplemental, we're finding out now how Russia has alleged nuclear space weapons. I mean, the timing of all of this is just amazing. Yeah, there, there are a whole bunch of different dynamics at play here. Uh, and I think with the Russian space nuclear program, I mean, that's not new. Uh, that's something that has been rumored and discussed for a number of, of years. And the, the issue is that they had a very specific satellite launch about 10 days ago, I think not coincidentally, right around the time the HER report dropped, uh, which was seen as, as a provocative advancement of what had been considered speculative or in the planning phase before. So this is like the Navalny death Again, Russia flexing its muscles. And it's important to remember that every time Putin does something like this, he's doing it with at least the permission, if not the participation of of Chairman Xi of China. So at this point, we need to see that as one and the same. And so what they see is an incredibly weak American president, and they see, uh, you know, an opportunity to act out. At the same time, we have 
members of both parties on Capitol Hill who both feel a very vested interest in uh, reauthorizing 702 unchanged. And so that then you have Chairman uh, Turner of the House Intelligence Committee coming out and sort of hair on fire saying, oh, my gosh, we're all going to die. You know, we have to get you know, have to get this done. And he's also a huge proponent of funding for Ukraine. So so all of these things are at play here. And I think what the American people need to do is say, stop, slow down. 702 reform is long overdue. You know, this, these were the authorities that you know are, are leading to unlawful, as you say, surveillance of the American people. But at the same time, yes, we have to be very mindful of our security. So shouldn't we send that spend, <coughs> excuse me, spend that 60 billion on countering potential Russian threats from space rather than sending it to Ukraine? But no one will, nobody will answer that question. Yeah, and at, and at the same time, of course, I mean, I thought Senator Rand Paul was spot on when he said, you know, this bill is a giant middle finger to the American people because it really it, it does nothing. The border part of it is is dead. Uh, we're just strictly talking about foreign aid now. And we, we, we're also hearing about all these people on the terror watch list who are coming into our country. That part of it doesn't get addressed. We hear this imminent threat. You know, Turner talks about this classified. He wants it to be declassified, this imminent threat against America. But we're letting in people who are on the terror watch list. They're coming into this country every single day because we have this wide open southern border. And yet our focus immediately becomes Ukraine and not dealing with that. That is mind boggling to me. Yeah, that's what what the political class doesn't seem to be able to understand is that Americans want something done about security here at home first. And then we will attend to these other things. It's not that we can't attend to them but everything in, in its time and in, in its place. And so I agree, uh, Senator Paul was spot on. The only <laughs> tiny ray of light I will shine on this conversation is in the so-called skinny supplemental that dropped overnight, the compromise bill. The border uh, elements are nowhere near adequate, but we did see a move on Ukraine funding towards reducing that number, towards focusing on purely military aid and so we are certainly not anywhere close to an acceptable uh, resolution to this, but at least we have for the first time motion in the right direction that we're going to start to scale this back, that we're going to focus it on what would actually win a war against Putin, set him back, stop him from doing these provocative things. But until we, you know, until we get to a, a fully acceptable, uh, a fully acceptable bill, you know, we're still going to be against it. Last question for you, and we'll end on a happy note. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got pitchers and catchers reporting for spring training. How are our Phillies going to do? Oh, joyous news! Yep, we just got our tickets for spring training, so we'll be we'll be there next month. Very excited about that. I think they're going to be great. I still think they'll make a move at some point over the next couple of months. It might not be till closer to the dread trade deadline after they see how the team runs around the track a little bit. But it, it is time. We are so ready for baseball, ready for the boys this summer to be back. And uh, I think it'll be a great season. Good. I like that. Dr. Victoria Coates, I uh, always appreciate your time. Philadelphia's own and, of course, the vice president of the Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation. Have a great weekend, my friend. Thanks. You too. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. 
Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices so join the revolution subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring listen on your odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast you'll be glad you did